And then the rest of us, this is the adult class, so we'll be in here. And our adult Sunday school teacher is on vacation this week, and so I'm going to be filling in for him. So if you did not get one of our huge study sheets this morning, we're going to be here a while. But if you did not get one, go ahead and raise your hand. We'll get that to you. Just keep your hand up and one of our ushers be happy to get that to you. We have a lot of blanks to fill in and uh, not to scare you, I, there's, we're not going to get through this today. So I'm going to give our adult Sunday school teacher a couple of weeks off so that we can get through this and we can finish it. We're going to be dealing with the doctrine, the doctrines of Christ and today is faith and uh, the many mentions of faith uh, that, that Jesus uh, teaches during his earthly ministry, then we're going to look at the application of those teachings. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, and it's actually right there on your study sheet there, Hebrews chapter 11, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and this of course is where we get our definition of faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible is where we get our definition of everything because it is our final authority. So, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. We'll go ahead and stand in reverence to God's Word as we read this one verse, and then we'll get started this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we can see faith is pretty important. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'd be with this lesson this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for bringing us here. Thank you for all the many blessings that you bestowed. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't expect us to have a blind faith. Lord God, the, the substance of our faith is, uh, is so vast, Heavenly Father. The evidence that demands pretty much we accept what you, what you tell us. The proofs, Father God, there are so many. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Lord God, that our faith is not vain. We pray now that you would just bless this time and use it for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to try to stick with the notes as much as, as, much as possible, simply because there's so much to cover And so uh, we'll just go ahead and get started there with the introduction there, the Bible definition of faith. It comes from that verse that we just read. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I've done many series, and it's probably time that I do another one. And we kind of looked at some of that a little bit last week. The many proofs that God's Word is God's Word, and the many proofs that Jesus is the Messiah. And of course, you can just go on and on and on. The many proofs that Jesus lived and died and that He rose again. There are so many proofs of all these events that the Bible talks about that really there's more documents to support the proofs of the Bible than there is for any other historic matter that we take as fact. 
And it is just amazing how that God has just compiled uh, uh, just uh, uh, manuscript after manuscript. And not only that, but in regards to uh, historical events that the Bible talks about, we've got archaeological fact after archaeological fact. There's dig after dig after dig. And, and it seems like every time the... Uh, that Satan and every time that the critics try to focus on something, well, here's a problem here. Uh, a pilot one time was that focus. The city of Jericho one time was that focus. And, and uh, of course, every time the critics focus on something, it just seems like the timing is perfect. God reveals it through archaeological digs. There's no doubt today that Pilate existed. There's no doubt today that Jericho was actually a city. There's, uh, there's no, no doubt today that uh, uh, the Hittites were an actual people, even though for years we didn't have any evidence. So uh, the bottom line is when God's word says so, then we just have to accept it by faith. And, and God just keeps compiling more evidence that faith is the substance. I'm so glad that we don't have to have a blind faith that uh, tens of thousands of archaeological digs. We said last week over 330, 330 plus fulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime. And the improbability that any one man could fulfill all those prophecies, and not be who he claimed to be. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you've heard me mention that um, the Book of Mormon is still waiting for its first archaeological discovery. And it's not for lack of trying. It's not for lack of effort. They have actually tried. They've just come to the conclusion that God has wiped everything out because God wants them to have a total faith. But the truth of the matter is God never. The, defin- the biblical definition of faith is not blind faith. The biblical definition of faith is faith that has substance and faith that has evidence. Even if we can't see it. It's like the wind. None of us have ever seen the wind. But there's so much evidence that there is wind that we all would be fools not to believe it because we see the evidence of wind. My, when it is windy, we can't see the wind, but we sure can see the trees and we can sure see things that are flying in the air. And, uh, and so we, we accept by faith that there is wind because none of us have seen it. But the evidence is vast. The evidence is undeniable. When it comes to the things of God, though I did not see Jesus Christ, I was not there for him, but many witnesses did. And, uh, uh, of course, the evidence of the things that he has said. And, and my, when you trust those things and how they come true. So faith is the, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, The best definition, I'm so thankful for the biblical definition of faith. Webster's Dictionary defines faith as belief, the assent of the mind to the truth of what is declared by another, resting on his authority and veracity without other evidence, the judgment that what another states or testifies is the truth. So for the Christian, his or her faith is in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's how we strengthen our faith. Jesus could teach best about faith because he was the author and finisher of our faith. According to Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 2. 
And who better to describe to you what a book is all about than the author of that book? And who better to explain to you what, uh, what, what something is all about than the person who created that thing? And since Jesus is the creator of all things, and he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so when it comes to this book, we know that many of the books are named after the, after the, the humans, the human instruments that God used to write the, the books. We know that Jesus is the author of this book and that uh, he is the, the final authority. And so Jesus taught much about faith. Remember, it, it, was, it was his main thing to his apostles. I just want you to believe in me. Believe in God, believe also in me, he said. Trust in me. And then he would take them through many trials and sometimes hardships to show them how he could get them through those hardships. And, and then he would point out to them uh, their either lack of faith or the fact that there was much faith. And, and so as we consider this this morning, first and foremost is the importance of faith for salvation and then for living life. So I want us to look first, and this can be broken down into several things. First of all, Jesus' teachings on faith. And first of all, Jesus references to amounts of faith. In other words, Jesus says that there are amounts of faith that people hold. First of all, in, in number one there, we see that Jesus references no faith. No faith. In Mark chapter 4, verse number 40 He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? By the way, this is his apostles. Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Not not little faith, which would be number two, but he says no faith. And that is definitely not an amount that we want to have. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and in verse number 20, he said, I will hide my face from them. This is God talking to his people. He said, I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward, that is, perverse generation. Children in whom is no faith. No faith. We do not want to be in the camp of no faith. But we also don't want to be in the next camp of little faith. Little faith. Matthew chapter 6 is one of those books that talks about worry and anxiety. And by the way, we're all guilty of it. But Matthew chapter 6 talks about how if you're a child of God, how, um, how beneficial worry is, how beneficial anxiety is. It, it's not beneficial at all. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a negative in your life. But Matthew chapter 6, verse number 30, Jesus says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. And there's other references there also concerning little faith. These are two camps we don't want to be in. We don't want to be in a camp of no faith. And, and uh, uh, even as saved people, we can be in that camp living day by day, just anxious about everything. Or little faith. Uh, there are some things about God that we will trust, but then there are other things about God that we will not trust. In Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10, we come to number 3. Jesus also references people with great faith. This is a camp you want to be in. You know, there are a few times that Jesus actually uh, praised individuals in the Bible, and it was always over this, having great faith. 
concerning the centurion in Capernaum whose servant was sick. Remember the servant, uh, uh, the centurion's servant was sick and the centurion sent to Jesus and said, my servant is sick. And, and then when Jesus started to come, he, he said, no, you, you don't have to come. Just speak the word. I know what authority is like. I'm a man of authority. And I tell my people, do this and do that, and they do it because I'm a man of authority. He says, you're a man of greater authority. Just speak the word. I'm not worthy of you to come, even come to my house. Speak the word, and it'll be done. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10, when he heard it, he marveled. We always want our God to marvel at us for the right reasons. And when we come to the book of Job chapter 1, we see God marveling and bragging about one of his servants. And uh, that's where we want to be because Job was a man of faith and he was bragging about Job's faith. And of course, Satan said, uh, well, no wonder he has faith. Look, you've given him everything a man could ever want. Even after it was all taken away, Job was still one of the great men in the Bible. And here, uh, Matthew chapter 6, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter uh, 8, verse number 10, concerning the centurion. Here's another great man in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And so great faith. This is a camp we want to be in. And um, uh, number 4. Jesus talks about faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now he's using a comparison here. And he says, if you have faith as a, the size of a grain of mustard seed, here's what you can do with it, Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Now the question was asked, why couldn't we cast out the devil? Um, they had, uh, the, the, the dad had come to Jesus and said, can you cast the devil out? Because your your disciples have tried and they can't. And so Jesus was able to do it. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to come back to it. But um, Jesus did it. And then when his disciples asked, how come, how come we couldn't do it? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. And it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, here's the thing. The apostles had already cast out devils. They had already done incredible things. What was different about this one? Sometimes as Christians, we'll see God do some great things. And then we'll come to a bigger obstacle. And then all of a sudden, we forget all the great things that God has done. And we begin to worry and so the the disciples as they saw the condition of this son doubt started to creep in they said the words and they went through the motions but they weren't really believing that man this guy's in really bad shape i mean we've helped other people but this guy's in really bad shape and then when they came to jesus and said hey how come we couldn't do it jesus said because of your unbelief Hey, all it takes is a is a faith the size size of a grain of mustard seed, and he says you can remove this mountain. And of course, we want our faith to grow, 
And so God's going to bring greater things into our lives. And rather than shriek at those things, we need to we need to face them head on and we need to allow God to have the victory. So those are the mounts of faith. So let's look at capital B, Jesus' reference to people of faith. His reference to people of faith. All right. First of all, there's four men that brought the man who was sick of the palsy. Remember them? They, matter of fact, they were so determined to see Jesus that when the crowd was huge, they went up on the roof and started tearing the roof apart and, and lowered the man down. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 2, this is another time Jesus was impressed. Matthew 9, verse number 2, And behold, they brought him uh, a man sick of the palsy, lying on bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. My when we're so desperate to get people to church, and we're so desperate to give people the gospel, God's going to bless that. And we're going to see people come to know Christ as personal Savior. And that was, that's what these four men did. Man, they, this man couldn't go. He had all the excuses in the world. I can't go. I'm, I'm sick. I can't go. I, I can't walk. I can't go. I don't have the right clothes. And they said, hey, we're gonna, we'll, we'll provide everything, including your transportation. We want to get you there because I know Jesus is the answer for your life. And so uh, their, their belief in that, Jesus is the only one that can help you, got this man healed. Not only did he get him healed, his sins were forgiven. Also, uh, number two, the woman that was healed of the issue of blood. We've referenced her many times. She said, if I could just touch his garment, I could be healed. And once again, there was a whole lot of obstacles. The people were pressed against him. And somehow she managed to get through. She wasn't going to let anything stop her. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 22, Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And then there's the two blind men in Matthew chapter 9. Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And, of course, they were healed as a result. Of course, then Jesus references Peter in Matthew chapter 14, verse number 31. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This was when Peter was walking on the water. Of course, we knocked Peter because he started to sink, but hey, he was the only one willing to get out of the boat. He had the faith to actually get out uh, of the boat, and he experienced something the rest of them didn't. He actually walked on the water. And then there's the Canaanite woman who was discouraged at, at, at every end, and she came to Jesus, and she wanted her daughter to be healed, and Jesus ignored her. And then the disciples started chiding in and saying, Lord, send her away. Send her away. She crieth after us while she was, she was a Gentile. And Jesus was trying to teach them something. And this woman persisted. We're going to look at her uh, more in depth here in a little bit. But in Matthew chapter 15, verse number uh, 28, his reference to her. 
Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And what a great lesson she is. Many of us are going to, we are going to come across discouragement when it comes to serving God. Many are going to be against us serving God, family members, but also we're going to be discouraged by, by fellow Christians at times. Sometimes we don't, we don't know the right things to say. Every single one of us are infallible. And there are going to be times when you're going to come to church for comfort, and rather than receiving comfort, somebody's going to insult you. That's just the nature of the beast. That is a, uh, that's part of being a family, part of being in the family of God, which is why I say always guard what you say, always guard what you do. Try to be an, an, an encouragement and, and edify all the time because you never know when that one time that you discourage someone or that you're a source of discouragement is going to be the thing that pushes them over and then they never come back. Now, that's on them, of course, but it's also on us when we are the, the offending parties. And so as she came and the disciples even began to discourage her and try to send her away and even went to Jesus. And so that she could hear it, said, Lord, send her away, she crieth after us. Here's, here's the truth of the matter. Had she gone away, she'd have reaped the consequences in never seeing her daughter healed. And that's, that's the tragic part of it. And all her life, She probably would have made comments like, you know, I went to see Jesus myself, but when I when I got there, his disciples, they did. They just discouraged me. Well, why don't you try to go back? Well, because because of his disciples, they're such hypocrites. I would never go see Jesus again. What a tragedy, because the only thing that could help her daughter was Jesus. And yet she let the discouragement get to her. But she did it to her credit. And this is is a great lesson to us. Every single one of us have been discouraged by someone in church who ought to be encouraging us. But let's turn it around. Every single one of us have discouraged someone that we ought to be encouraging. Not only have we all experienced it, we've all done it. Because none of us are perfect, none of us are fallible. So that time when you get discouraged and you get angry and you go home and you begin to sulk and you're upset and and I'm never going back there again, think about the blessing that this Canaanite woman received when she said... Man, that, that's a hard saying. That's discouraging. But you know, I'm not here to see the apostles. I'm here to see Jesus. And I'm not here to please the apostles. I'm here to please Jesus. And I'm not here to receive blessings from the apostles. I'm here to receive blessings from Jesus. 
And that is something that we all have to remember at times is my as 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 we get discouraged by people. Okay, people are people, but God is God and he'll always be God. People are going to let me down, but God will never leave us or forsake us. People are going to discourage me, but I can't use that as an excuse to rob me of all the blessings that God has in store for me. And so, what a lesson that she is. She was discouraged because she didn't hear her prayers answered right away. Discouraged because the apostles began to tell her it's a waste of time, just go away because... uh, We're here for Jews only and not for Gentiles. Discouraged because all she wanted was her daughter to get healed. But encouraged when she had the right mindset, when she had the right priority, and when she continued to pray the right prayers. And Jesus finally said, woman, great is thy faith. Imagine how how foolish the apostles felt after that. Great is thy faith. She was vindicated. Your seeking after Jesus will always be be vindicated. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the Canaanite woman, a great reference and a great lesson. Also, we dealt not too long ago with blind Bartimaeus, Blind Bartimaeus, who was blind and wanted to his sight to be restored. And uh, he began to cry out to God. And Jesus came to him. And, of course, Mark chapter 10, 52, Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Also, seven, we've already referenced the centurion. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled, said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. But that's a, that, that's a shame to the Israelites. Jesus was an Israelite. He was a Jew. Then there was the sinful woman who washed his feet and anointed them there in the presence of a bunch of elitists who had nothing good to say about her or about what she had just done. And yet the Bible tells us in Luke 7.50 that he said to the woman, Thy faith, thy faith hath saved thee. Many times our faith is going to drive us to do things that no one else wants us to do. Our faith is going to uh, tell us to do things that no one else uh, is willing to do. But your faith will, will save you, will make you whole. Then there was the 10th leper in Luke chapter 17, verse number 19. Remember, Jesus healed 10 of them. But only one actually came back. We're going to talk a little more about him. But Jesus uh, mentioned of him, Thy faith hath made thee whole in Luke chapter 17, verse number 19. So these are the people that Jesus references throughout his ministry. People of faith. 
whether it is much faith or little faith. These are just some of the references. Now let's move on to Jesus' reference to the accomplishments of faith. The accomplishments of faith. As he referenced the centurion, his servant was healed. He said, I've not found so great faith in Israel. The Bible tells us from that, that hour, his servant was healed. Also, the storm was calmed. The storm was calmed despite their lack of faith. That was when Jesus referenced that they had no faith. And yet the storm was calmed. Um, the layman, the layman number three was healed. We're not going to look up all of these references. Those are for you to take home and to look up on your own. The layman was healed. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? She was healed. She was healed. And when Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come and join you. And so then Peter walked on water. He walked on water. The blind eyes were healed. Jesus walks, or Peter walks on water. Number seven, the uh, demon was cast out of the daughter. Matthew 15. Matthew 17, number eight, the demon was cast out of the son. And when Jesus gave that great lesson on faith, number nine, it was because he withered the fig tree. He withered the fig tree. And number 10, forgiven sins. Sins are forgiven. We didn't look those up because we already had mentioned all of those. But that was, the, that was the accomplishment. Man, faith accomplishes. And again, getting back to the daughter who was, or, or the, the woman who was discouraged, whose daughter needed to be healed. She didn't let the apostles discourage her to that point. All right, so now let's look. Those are references, Jesus' references of faith. Now let's look at how do we apply this? Let's look at the application now. You know, a Christian can be strong or weak in faith. We know that. A Christian can even have no faith. Well, how did he get saved? Well, it doesn't take much faith to get saved. Thank the Lord for that. The longer we are saved, the more we should increase in faith. We should grow in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the hall of faith. And that's where we get our definition of faith. And then it goes into those, those men and women of faith and the things they were able to accomplish. There are several examples of people who lived and died who had great faith. It was George Moeller who said, The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. And so as we worry... A lot of time, uh, that's where our faith has ended. When we quit worrying, that's where our faith has begun. So what we are to do by faith, capital letter A, what does God want us to do with this faith? Number one, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38. Now the just shall live by faith. So God wants us obviously to live by faith. He wants us to live by faith, not by sight. Now, living by faith, as I said once again, it's going to cause you to be a peculiar people, which is what God wants us to be. My, why do you, why do, you do that? Because I trust that God is going to bless it. 
Well, why do you go to church so much on Sunday? Because we trust what God says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but uh, exhorting one another. We go uh, because God wants us to. And why do you, why do you, uh, why did you go through believer's baptism? Because we believe what God says about baptism. It's, it's a picture. It's a testimony. It, it is an act of obedience to him. And it's pleasing to him. Didn't wash my sins away. My sins were already washed away. Well, then why go through it? Because we have faith. We, we trust our God. We are to live by faith. And very similar to this, number two is we are to walk by faith. We are to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And I think that's just another way of saying live, except for walk kind of determines our actions. We are to walk by faith, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Not everything that God's word tells us is something that we've been able to see. None of us saw the creation. But because of all the evidence that God has given to us, I believe God can speak this into existence. I believe that God can say, let there be light, and there, will, and there is light. I also believe that God can do it in six literal days, that it did not require um, thousands or even millions of years to do it, because he's the all-knowing, he's the all-powerful God. And so we trust that. We believe that. By faith we know. By faith we understand. Number three, God expects us to edify by faith. To edify edify by faith. What does that mean? That means to to build up. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 4, Paul writes to Timothy, that young preacher, and he says, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions you know these are things that instead of causing us to grow they cause us to to break down these fables and endless genealogies they minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith so do so god expects us to edify to take our faith and to edify to build not only ourselves but to build others up Godly edify. Also, be an example of faith. Be an example of faith. Again, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12, here was his instruction, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. What a great outline for your life. How, how ought I to live? Timothy was all obviously a young preacher. Sometimes being a young preacher can be a little bit intimidating. And, and sometimes, as Paul mentions here, young preachers give older Christians uh, a reason to be critical of them. And so Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, you're going to have to live beyond your years. Don't give him an excuse to despise your youth and say, well, that's because he's young. No, instead, he says, here's, here's a, an outline for you to, to live by. He says, be an example of the believers. Number one in word, always watch what you say. 
Even when you lose your temper, it is no reason to start cursing. What was one of the first things that Peter did when he wanted to convince people he was lost? When he wanted to convince people he didn't know Jesus, it was his words. And at first they said, hey, you're, you're one of them. You're, you're, your words, they, they betray you. So Jesus, oh yeah, Peter says, oh yeah, you think so? Well, listen to this. And the four-letter words started coming out his mouth like crazy. The Bible says he began to curse. And eventually the people walked away and said, no way, no way would a man of God talk like that. No way. Be an example in word. Say, well, you know, sometimes I just get so mad it, it slips. Well, that makes me wonder, who are you hanging out with? And what are the words that you are filling your mind with constantly? And I know we work in the secular world. We can't hear, help but hear things, and I understand that. But we can control what we fill our minds with. And what we uh, meditate on, the Bible says that we ought to meditate on these words day and night. Man, that's going to help. That's going to help tremendously. So be an example, he said, in word, in conversation. Say, what's the difference? Conversation is actually how you live. Words are what come out, comes out of your mouth. Conversation is what comes out of your life, how you live your life. In conversation, um, you know, it's going to make a difference to people when they see you getting up every Sunday morning and then getting ready every Sunday afternoon and going to church. And chances are they're going to know. <laughs> they're going to know. We've been asked many times in our, in our neighborhood, man, why do you go to church so much? And then they find out I'm a pastor. Oh, well, that's why. But for you. Well, because I'm a Christian. Well, many others will claim to be, but have the example, the conversation in charity. We know what charity means. Charity is love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be willing to do unto others as you would have them do to you. Look for ways to be a blessing. Charity in spirit, is your life spiritual or is it based solely on that which is carnal? Do you excited, get, get more excited about spiritual things or do you get more excited about carnal things? In charity, in spirit, in faith, in faith, living by faith. You know who's really going to notice when you live by faith is your kids. And then in purity. Impurity. So a great, great outline for your life right there. We are to be an example of faith. God expects us to be an example of faith. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to stop right there. We'll go ahead and knock it off right there. We have about uh, 14 minutes before the next service. want to give you time to use the restroom and do everything else that you need to do. There's still coffee in the back back there. And then we will resume with this next uh, Sunday morning and probably finish it up. So you are dismissed.